Hey, what's up, guys? This is Clint with Baseball Notes and Strong Mind Sports. Excited to be with you on the podcast today. And today's guest, we have Ricky Mendez. And Ricky is a former baseball player, played professionally, and uh, played at Wake Forest University. He tells us a little bit about that. And uh, these days, Ricky is a implementation speaker. Uh, don't call him a motivational speaker because he's all about uh, habit formation and how to make actual improvements. And uh, Ricky is a uh, very in-demand guy. He has spoken for a lot of major league teams and uh, a lot of Fortune 500 companies and uh, just has a really great message and just really excited to share it with you guys here today. And before we get to the interview, I want to share with you uh, this week's review of the week of the Bulletproof Hitter. Clint, thank you so much for this. My son Judah has really enjoyed your lessons, and they've been so helpful after just one week. He's gone through the lessons three times. Today he came off the field and made a great play and said, no self one, keep up the great work. Josh. All right, Josh, thank you so much for sending that in, and uh, good job by Judah for applying that and uh, continued good vibes his way. And uh, I've got something real exciting for everybody here. I know I get a lot of questions, uh, people who have really enjoyed the Bulletproof Hitter, and, uh, man, the thing works so well, uh, but it's kind of like a bath, you know what I mean? Like, you know, being positive and having a right mindset is very effective, but after a while, it uh, can wear off. You know what I mean? You have to do it on a regular basis, just like a bath. So for those of you who have asked for ongoing support, uh, I figured out a really good way of doing this together and uh, just making the most of our season. And uh, I'll have more information on that coming real soon. So I'm still kind of being secretive on you here. But uh, anyway, I'll be having more details on that real soon. So uh, be looking, looking for that in your emails and in the podcast and on the Facebook page. So anyway, without further ado, here's the interview with Mr. Ricky Mendez. Well, before we get into it, Ricky, I'd like for you to share with your audience a little bit more about yourself and uh, your background in athletics and how you got to do uh, how got in how you got into doing what you're doing now. Sure. Yeah, I um I grew up an athlete. I played in, in high school as baseball, football, basketball um, on the varsity as a freshman, and then I went to a prep school and continued to play those three sports and. Um, Basically was fortunate enough to have some great mentors and got a college scholarship playing baseball to Wake Forest, representing them here. Nice, nice. <laughs> uh, I see it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was, it was great. We won three ACC championships in four years. Um, at that school, I didn't play basketball or football anymore. And then just played some minor league ball, some independent ball. A life goal of mine was to, I wanted to be, someone to pay me to play a game. <laughs> right. So I was able to check that box off. Played for like three or four years. Um, never really went anywhere, but it was, it was super fun. Tons and tons of life learning experiences and people and all kinds of great stuff. So that was kind of my, the extent of my athletic career. <laughs> oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, no, that's nice. Being, uh, you know, checking that box of being paid to play. I remember getting my uh, first paycheck from uh, Tops. Like, you know, the baseball cards, I, you probably got it too. It's five bucks. And I think I cashed it. I'm like, how did I, how did I not just keep that and frame it on the wall? And uh, anyway, it was like my, I made it moment, you know what I mean? But uh, anyway, so what, what after baseball? So uh, what are you up to these days? Yeah. So I, um, I, I didn't know what to do. Right. Like, so I, I went to a job fair. I still remember this. I was in a shirt and tie and I, I hate shirt and ties. They, I, anything around my neck, I'm super warm blooded. So I sweat like crazy. I went to a job fair and I was calling my mom and I was like, this is miserable. I'm leaving. I went to the uh, elevator and somebody was standing outside of the door for Sears Home Improvements. And I'd never been in sales before. And I quickly learned, I, I believe that to be the best skill on the planet. Um, it's, I, I think, you know, it gets a negative connotation, but 
we're, we're selling something every single day of every single moment, whether it's the clothes that we're wearing, what we're saying, whatever. It's, uh, so I, I went and I learned that for the next 10 years and uh, had some, a great, was fortunate enough to have some great mentors and then started building my big part of a, like building other businesses. And then I had um, seven offices in Southern California for a pretty large company. We did a wellness event. Uh, this woman came up and confided in me at the wellness event. She was having some challenges. She actually asked me to coach her husband. I said, I don't do that at that time, but I said, what's going on? And I gave her something to implement into her daily life. And she wrote me back saying how it changed the dynamic of her mornings, um, the relationships with their kids, the whole energy of the morning. And what she told me was the best feeling I ever had. And I, I quit my job 10 days later and started my own, my own business. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. I love it. So uh, it's funny how a little thing can spark you just like that. You know what I mean? And yep. uh, shape your whole direction. So, yeah. um, so anyway, I've heard you speak before. Uh, one of the better speakers I've encountered. So uh, again, excited to have you on here today. And uh, one thing that, you know, you talk a lot about is, you know, mindset because, you know, tactics are a wonderful thing. And, um, you know, just like with my audience here, it's like, man, the kids go to practice and they're knocking it out and you see they can do it. But then applying their training whenever it matters uh, gets to be challenging. And it's like, well, what's changed? And it's obviously your thoughts. You know what I mean? Like something's yep. wigging you out. And yep. so, um, you know, I know you talk about something about a little bit of a winner's mindset. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. So I believe the winner's mindset is, is basically, in short, conversion of energy, taking the negative energy, phrasing it in a way that serves us so we feel positively. And it, it transcends far beyond sports. But look, the crap's going to happen. We're going to have struggles, whether it's sports, athletics, life, business. Um, it's going to happen. There's no, the, the struggle is guaranteed, right? So as that happens, now we just have to kind of build up our mental muscles to be able to deal with it in a constructive way that I can learn and grow from it, move on from it without, like, uh, without that loss of enthusiasm. So then I can continue on the path of whatever goal that I'm looking for, whether it's a baseball player, a basketball player, a football player, a swimmer, track athlete, whatever, you know, if you're in the game long enough, challenging things are going to happen. Struggles are going to happen. Setbacks are going to happen. Okay, fine. Now you're in the group of everybody else that ever lived. What can I do with that? How can I look at that experience, how it serves me to continue on in the most productive way possible? I gotcha. And so how can you convert that energy? Like you said, you take that negative energy, it's starting to overwhelm you. Like what's a, what's a tool that they can use or a, a step whenever they're feeling, you know, feeling like quitting, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like what can they do in that moment? Yeah. And I think for, for athletes and young athletes, it comes from two sources. Um, number one, so I'm not married enough kids, but the kids that I work with, when they're going through a challenge, and when they're going down the rabbit hole of woe is me, why did this happen? Why am I going through this? Why did I go for three? Why did I strike out four times? Why did I make the error to lose the game? The number one thing that I look to shift thought process, if we shift our thought process, our state of mind shifts. Cannot, inarguable. We cannot be grateful and fearful at the same time. My brain cannot be that way. So in our question that I like to ask myself, the kids, what did you learn from it? What did you learn from it? So now as he starts to dive down the rabbit hole, what, what can I possibly have learned from this situation that from young athletes probably made me cry at some point, right? Now I start to think in a different process of like, well, what did I learn from it? It gets my mind away from all the, 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 the failures, right? But now if I learned something from that, now I can apply that. And I start to carry, in my belief, a different energy, frequency, vibration, whatever label we want to call it, but from a biochemical level. 
I, because now I'm not so focused on that was awful. This was embarrassing. I failed. What did I learn from it? And, and especially for young athletes, I always say, find a mentor who's had great success. I promise you they failed a lot. <laughs> so it's just a matter of dealing with that in a constructive way. And the more we, it's just like anything else, right? The brain's an organ, but acts like a muscle. The more that we do it continuously, 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 now we get better and better and better. And then as our skill set improves, we just become better, in my opinion, not only as athletes, but as humans. Um, and that carries a whole different energy from parent to child to teammate to coach to mentor to trainer, whoever it is that we're, we're looking at on that team. Yeah, no, I love that. It's kind of like uh, failure is almost kind of a guidepost in a lot of ways, you know what I mean? Because I feel like, you know, one of the most dangerous combinations that a, a young kid could have would be to be having really good results with really bad process. You know what I mean? Like I know, uh, you know, my audience knows I've got a 10 year old son. And so we've, we've kind of gone through the, the T-ball coach pitch. And now it's kind of like a little bit of baseball, you know, the kids are throwing to each other and doing all these things. And uh, there's some kids who, you know, are big, you know, like they're really physical, advanced, you know, they look like they're 12 or whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. Got some really long swings, you know, got some weird movements, but guess what? They're having some success, you know what I mean? And so like, there's a lot of these areas that they're not addressing where you know their swings long like that's not going to work as the right. speeds get up right. um and then so you've got so but they're just get to be the happy guys that are like overpowering everybody right that's all fun and dandy right. uh however like the failure what that you know a kid that goes through a two-week slump you know whole season he has to actually look at himself and be like hey maybe my swing needs to be tightened up you know what i mean and so like those failures are so crucial mm -hmm. and i've got i had a teammate of mine you probably got um you know, a few that you could think of too, you know, playing on some good schools like that. Like I played with a guy in the minor leagues who he had a, uh, he was going to be the Friday night starter at a uh, division one. He was going to be a, uh, the, the starting quarterback. You know what I mean? Like he was going to play baseball and football and just the guy, right? Like, I mean, six, four, just the guy. And so I played with him in the minors. He had never struggled his whole life. And then uh, a couple of years after we played, I got released. He kept going, you know, was on his way to the big leagues and then uh, had a rough season. And he was out of the game like a year later, like just right. had no, had never encountered it before and had no, no way to process it. And it just kind of goes to show that these failures, you know, you, you just can't look at them as like, oh, I'm not good right. on, on, right. you know, February 10th. I'm just not good and good enough to do my thing. And it's like, right. these are all little clues that can help you to, like you said, transfer that energy. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So I think that's super important. Yeah. I think with athletes too, I mean, if you look up any great athlete, I mean, we've all heard the story of Michael Jordan. He got cut from his, his freshman or sophomore basketball team. You know, and we take it into real life. Well, I, one of my favorite stories is Walt Disney. The dude got fired. Walt Disney got fired from his newspaper for lacking imagination. Like that's a failure, but like, <laughs> look what he did in the world, you know? So I think there's a direct result, a direct correlation between how much we fail and how much we succeed. If we look at it from that standpoint, from a positive standpoint, and a lot of kids, as, as they're going through that, they should, they should, I believe that they should embrace it, not accept it, but embrace it and saying, look, if I stay on this path, I'm going to get better and better and better versus the kid who never has any struggles and then has a big struggle when we're older, it's harder to deal with it at that point. And now it's harder to recover. So if, if, if a parent's out there and their kid's having all kinds of success and no failures, I don't know, I would almost move him up again and again and again, until he struggles, until he starts to deal with what it's like to have that challenge, have that struggle. So he starts to develop the mental capacity 
to learn from it, to grow from it, to get better from it, instead of being hobbled by it. Um, and I, I think that's, again, it transcends far beyond athletics as, you know, in the world, we have a happiness problem. It's, it's challenges in, in all these lives. So as we develop these kids that become leaders, not only in their teams, but in their communities, in their, you know, their groups, now that person can be a thought leader, you know, going into the world, whether it's business, entrepreneurship, whatever. Uh, I think that that's literally how important that is. Nice, nice. And one thing I've heard you talk about too is the importance of gratitude. And I think that's something that uh, you kind of mentioned it there a couple, a few minutes back, and I want to circle back to it. Is uh, you know you can't be fearful and grateful at the same time. Can you can you explain that a little bit more for us? Yeah, and I think it's most so when we have a quote unquote failure, right? It's simple feedback. That's all it is. It is feedback to tell us where we need to improve. Awesome. If I don't know where I need to improve, then I'm, I'm just out in space floating around. But if I specifically know where I need to improve, that's a great tool to use. I am grateful for that tool because it allows me to stay consistent, persistent, but also stay on the journey of my goals and dreams. So I use gratitude far beyond, you know, people talk about gratitude and they say it's just, it's a way of positive thinking. For me, it's so much more than that. It's neurochemistry, it's biochemistry, it's biological reactions within the cell. It's a state of mind that I choose. So I read a gratitude poem every single day. I've, I've missed two days since July 1st, 2015. So since July 1st of 2015, I haven't missed a day except for two. And I read the first part of it, it's in two sides. What <clears throat> The first part is the challenge side and the second part is the easy side. So the challenge side are things that people are usually complaining about, um, things that make them feel bad. For me, my biggest vice was getting on a plane and the screaming baby, I'd be sleeping and the screaming baby would go wailing behind my ear. And when I learned about this and utter accountability and self-accountability, unwavering, relentless accountability, so the baby's not freaking me out, I'm freaking me out. So I converted it and I said, I'm grateful, period, for the screaming baby on the plane, period, because it means that I can hear. And it completely changed my perspective because it, when, you, when we are grateful, it, you can literally change the event. By changing the event, you change the perspective. Now my state of mind is different. Now I can keep progressing without diving down the rabbit hole of why is this happening? That was embarrassing. I feel like a failure, blah, blah, blah. So there's, the gratitude is so strong and it, I know it changes my state of mind and I do it every day because it's that important. But the number one thing is, you know, people think on Thanksgiving, everybody's grateful for everything else. But I think it's important to give gratitude and be thankful for the challenges that we have. Um, my arms work, you know, it, it gives me, it starts to, every time somebody starts to complain in a certain way, I always say, do you have one of these? Do you feel that? That means you woke up today. That means you got a chance. There are a lot of people that had golden dreams, goals and dreams yesterday that didn't make it till today. I live in Los Angeles. We all know the tragedy with, with Kobe Bryant recently. You know, we're not all promised tomorrow. And when we have, I feel like when we have that, that consistent, the consistent mindset of being grateful that number one, we woke up, two, we have opportunity no matter who you are, we have the ability to learn, the ability to grow, and now I can take that and put it in an athletic arena, now it's a whole different mindset of like, oh, you know, I struck out four times. Trust me, I've been there. That sucks. <laughs> but, you know, go into why did that happen? What do I need to get better? And then asking for help, man, people will want to help you, especially when you have carry this type of energy. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, yeah, and you have kind of that, uh, 
I guess it, like you call it a winner's mindset. You know what I mean? Where it's like, I'm not sitting here pouting and moping, which it's so easy to do. Like I, I'm guilty of it now as an adult, you know what I mean? I'll start to find myself going down that circle, but just trying to have something that, you know, can snap you out of it. And I can see we're having a daily routine. And uh, what I like, what I appreciate about what you just said there was like, you know, everybody has their daily routines, quote unquote. Uh, you've missed two days since July of 2015. Is that right? Yeah. Did I get that date right? <laughs> yeah. uh, the consistency there is is incredible. You know what I mean? And that's the hardest thing that, you know, anybody has the, uh, you know, everybody kind of knows, I shouldn't say everybody, but I mean, we all kind of know what we should be doing differently, but actually applying this new habit or whatever that uh, is where you see the compounding results. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know you talk a lot about implementation and uh, I mean, what's a good way for somebody if they're like, you know, I've got these goals, I've got these big dreams, these types of things. I kind of know what I should be working on, but man, I always fall off the wagon after day 10 or something like that. And then you look up two months past and you kind of forgot what you even started with. I mean, what's something that somebody can, uh, can do to help them, implement what uh whatever they're seeking to achieve start small man and when i say small i mean like small i'm gonna grab this little book here and before i started reading my gratitude poem every day i wanted to just read a quote i'd have i still have this i would write read the quote highlight what i like write something about it that's all i want to do for 30 days 30 just read a quote and i i couldn't get to that 30 days i'd miss a day here miss a day there so the point where i would t i took out my stopwatch on my phone I hit start, I read the quote, I hit stop, it was about eight seconds. And I had to have this self-talk being like, Ricky, are you kidding me? I can't spend eight seconds to what I know will change my life? So that's how small I believe we wanna start when you look into the brain science and neuroplasticity and how the brain functions and new neural networks, it's all about consistency. The universe will not reward scale. It will not reward scale. It doesn't give a crap about scale. What it, what it will reward is consistency. So, and as we build up to that, so if there's a new habit or skill as an athlete or a baseball player, and I think I, I'm so partial to baseball because I played, but I think it's even more important baseball because you can fail seven out of 10 times and end up in the hall of fame. So it's even more so. And I think baseball players have an ability to be great thought leaders when they deal with these challenges in, in a most productive way. So in terms of, developing prosperity habits start small and my business blows up at the beginning of the year because everybody wants to lose weight be healthy they're going to run 10 miles a day they're going to get up at 5 a.m they're going to lift for four hours they're going to meditate for four hours they're going to eat lettuce that's their new like vitality plan and january 15th in the united states at least of two years ago was a national cutoff of when we get rid of our goals like we rely on willpower instead of conditioning so if we i don't care like so if it's like hey i want to be a better hitter you know, people like, oh, I'm going to go out and take a thousand swings today. I would rather that person take 50 swings every single day than a thousand swings once a, once a week. So not only just building up the habit, but now not muscle memory, mental memory, those types of things. So whatever that people want to implement, we know what to do. We, I can go on YouTube right now. I can figure out the how-to to do anything in the world, but we don't do it on a consistent basis. So that tells me success is not a knowledge problem. We know what to do. Baseball, we got to be short to the ball. We want to get backspin on the ball. When we're fielding, we want to feel the ball out in front, see the ball. We know what to do. We just don't do it on a consistent basis. Because in my mind, we don't practice enough here first and then the physicality of it. Yeah, so, man. 
I love that. No, I'm sorry to interrupt you on that one. But uh, yeah, but we're relying on our willpower instead of our conditioning. I think uh, there's no truer statement with that. And so I could see it even with, with, you know, wanting to do exercise, like, hey, do one push up every night. Like, yep. don't even have to do two. You know what I mean? And uh, by the end of the two months later, you're probably knocking out 10 or 12 each time as your minimum. You know what I mean? And, yep. uh, and yep. yeah, I've, you know, I've done, you know, just read books. I shouldn't say I've studied neuroscience or anything but like any habit formations you know has to be a level of consistency and uh you know we go january 1st for four hours in the gym you know what i mean can't move for the next three days yeah. and uh and then like i said january 15th so i think that's big that consistency there is uh, is huge so start small people underline underscore that write that down somewhere but uh a little bit every day even if it's eight seconds of of something you know uh that's gonna help you um, don't dismiss that thinking that's that's too small. So and I, I want to plug this too, because this is what happens. Now people start small, but the general population doesn't understand this. So the people around that that kid or person, they're doing a lot more. Our ego gets in the way. They say, I'm not doing enough. I'm not enough. But then we got we want to think a big picture because it'll remind us that those small actions, they're cumulative. They're cumulative. They're cumulative. They add up. That's why 50 swings a day is much better than a thousand swings a day once a week. So it's just, we almost have to be aware of our ego trying to trick us. It's a tricky little thing. It gets in our way. We just constantly have to be aware of it because people around us won't do that. They'll say, oh, you're not doing enough. Our ego gets in the way now and says, oh, I'm not enough. I'm not doing enough. Then we go back to the scale practices rather than the consistent practices. So that's, and again, this is why it transcends so far beyond sports. I, I believe that's what the world needs is just more consistency on small scale implementational things to make ourselves essentially feel better, whether it's athletics, whether it's business, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's finances, there's so many things that we can do to help our, our planet's happiness problem. And I mean, athletes, people are always going to look up to athletes. And I think it's a great platform for, for athletes to use, especially at a young age to be able to look at failures, challenges, things like that in a constructive way. So then people start asking and they start looking up to those people and then they can help others. But it's just be aware of, don't worry what other people are doing and it's not it, run your race as we hear so often. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome because uh, you know, you, everybody, the you know, keywords are grinding and they're putting in all the hours and everything else. And there's kind of like this, uh, you know, I, dare I say a myth that, uh, you know, you have to work six days a week, seven days a week, putting in four hours a day or else, you know, you're going to fall behind. And, uh, you know, I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush and start saying this is a universal thing, but that is very hard to be sustainable. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, being able to, you know, be consistent with, with your race and trusting that, you know, you don't have to go six hours today because, guess what, tomorrow you're going to be like, I'm sore or I need a break or whatever. And now you've taken three days off and now you've kind of, it's been three days since you've thought about your goal. You know what I mean? And uh, so anyway, I think that's a super important component there. I can see where like that gratitude poem would be dynamite. Like how long does that take you to read it in the morning? Is that probably like 60 seconds or so yeah. or what? Yeah. I mean, I would say start with one line. My, my whole visualization morning routine is about 25, 30 minutes, but yeah. I, I always say, write a one-liner. Think of one thing that drives you up the wall and then find the seed, Napoleon Hill called it a seed of equivalent benefit. Find the silver lining, find the positive side to it. Cause there's one to everything. And I've done that with 
with challenging things like car accidents and you know getting fired, things like that. I've also consulted with people that have we've we've literally converted tragedy. So I don't again the scale doesn't matter. It's the consistency that matters. So that's um, that's for me. It that's my morning routine. But it took me three years to build up to that. <laughs> again, I started with eight seconds. Um, and I also want to say that look that that small scale does not represent weakness and it does not represent a lack of work ethic. In my mind, it's the exact opposite. It, it represents strength because now my mind is conditioned. I'm thinking big scale. This isn't for today or tomorrow. This is for the next person I want to be in the next two years, five years, decade, as a, as a, a leader that people can go to for help. So it doesn't represent weakness, it represents strength, especially when we can look at it in that cumulative scale. But yeah, my, uh, my morning routine is about 30 minutes. And I would say if people want to start it, just start with one line, read it every day, take literally 60 seconds. <laughs> yeah, I think that's cool. Like just starting your day off right with just like the constant, you know, um, I'm grateful. You know, take, I could see where it's be good. You know, you take something that you're struggling with, you know, mentally you're kind of grinding on, being thankful for what it's teaching you. And then, you know, if you want to add in a, hey, I'm just thankful that, uh, you know, for something that good that's going on, you know what I mean? Like kind of balance it out, like two sentences there. And just like that constant reminder in the morning, I think just sets your day off right. And, uh, and so everybody's kind of got their routines with, with, uh, with the morning. But I think, uh, you know, that's something I see with a lot of high achievers, it seems like, is that their morning, they've got something set to like prime their day, you mm-hmm. know, because you can go if you do it in the, the evening, you know what I mean? Like, hey, maybe, maybe that's a good time for you or not. But I mean, you can kind of go the whole day grinding and like forgetting to, to shift that perspective and then come, you know, 10 minutes before bed, you're like, oh, dang, I am grateful for that, that problem. Right. I, I, but I wasn't all day long, you know what I mean? Right. But setting right. that off in the morning be uh, be killer. So, all right. So what are a couple of habits? I know you're kind of the implementation guy. I mean, what are a couple of habits that have really had the greatest impact on your life? Something maybe we haven't talked about already. Well, number one, I was always gratitude, always hands down. That's, we've talked about it, but it was just like, I, I, I cannot stress it enough from a way more than just being positive, the mental standpoint, but neurochemistry, biochemistry. So that's always, always number one. When did you start? When did that trigger for you? When did you start uh, consciously um, focusing on that? A, a dear mentor of mine, I went and interviewed. It was the first time I invested in myself and I went to a conference and I saw David Meltzer. He talked about gratitude and I actually brought him. I asked if I could interview him. And at that time I had written it out and I remember giving it to, I was working at Sears Home Improvements. I gave it to a VP and I said, Hey, this is just something that I use. And he brought it and shared it in a meeting. I was like, man, that's cool. And I was so young and I was like, holy crap, he's using something that I, I gave him. And then from the interview with Meltzer, I gave him the gratitude poem. I, I always ask people what their favorite word is. And uh, he said gratitude. So it, it's been a, it's been a long time in the works, but um, that's kind of how it came about to, for me. Okay, nice. And, and seeing the changes there had to be awesome. So yeah. And people always ask me, man, they're, they're always like, oh, that's just Ricky. He's just positive. Told I work on it every single day. If you work <laughs> on something every single day, you'd get better at it. Um, but I, I would say secondarily would be, I'd like to ask myself just better questions. I, I think there's two rabbit holes. One can, you dive down, why is this happening? What's going on? Why do I have to go through this? Or what's the seed of equivalent benefit? What am I supposed to learn from this? How can I grow from this? When I learn and grow from this, how can I contribute to the world to make it a better place from what I learned? And what happens is I, I help people and companies and individuals develop prosperity plans. So when the crap comes, you have this tool to go to, right? And you can start to kind of re-engineer where you're going. And then you go back and forth. You're like a ping pong ball when you start. 
crap happens, I convert it, I go back, crap, more crap happens. I'm like all over the place. But as we get better and better and better, just like everything else, we practice swings every day, we get better, right? So now I just, when something happens, my brain is so trained and so conditioned to like search frantically for the positive side of it. Sometimes it takes two seconds to find, sometimes it takes an hour, sometimes it takes a day. But I'm so conditioned to go down that path because I know it serves me. And then it starts to serve the people around me because I, I feel like I genuinely carry a different energy or aura, frequency, vibration, whatever label we want to give it. But it's because I practice that all the time. So just asking more empowering questions um, when the crap comes, the crap's going to come. It's okay. It's just what kind of tool belt do I have to, to convert it? No, I think that's awesome. I could see where that, you know, the, the, the ditch is always going to be there. You know what I mean? But it doesn't, the ditch doesn't turn into a valley. You know what right. I mean? Like it's kind of <laughs> like you, you got like a day, you know, at worst or maybe, you know what I mean? Like, or, you know what I mean? You, you, you're consciously trying to pull yourself out versus, you know, sometimes yeah. we, we, you know, build a little fire down there and we get all cozy and we're like, just in this, why me? Why, why did yep. this happen to me? And then it's like, well, what, can I improve out of this thing? You know what yep. I mean? So I can just yep. see where, uh, you know, the, the situation's the same. Nothing has really changed. Uh, but the, the depths of, of, uh, your sadness, I guess, or, or you know what I mean? Is just not going to be there. So. Yeah. Cause I'm not focusing on it. Right. It's like, it's in, and that's, uh, I guess in conjunction with that, um, I don't think enough people ask for help. I think they also think asking for help comes from weakness. Asking for help comes from strength. And there are people that are going to want to help you. So in terms of like mentorship, those are that's how I learned to convert energy on a consistent basis and some people I took from Meltzer something I took from Weldon Long sometimes I took things from John Asroff but I have a million different mentors that I go to how would this person to deal with it how would that person deal with it and to me a mentor is like they can be alive they can be dead they can I maybe have met them maybe have not have they increased my quality of life so and it allows me to ask them for help um, so that's something that I especially athletes we think we want to be so strong and we can do it all ourselves. And again, if we find mentors and do the research, nobody did it by themselves, right? Everybody had some help. So it's almost like the great, the people that have created the greatest in terms of athletics or the world, they failed the most and they've asked for the most help. <laughs> but those are two things we're also scared to do. So I have to constantly remind myself, ask for help, you know, convert energy and embrace the, the failure to learn from it. Yeah, I love that. Asking for help is a big one. And uh, in my program, I was telling you about uh, the, uh, the Bulletproof here. A lot of the people who listen to this have been through it. And one of the most common feedbacks I get um, is that because in one of the lessons, I talk a lot about how I have self-doubt and all these negative thoughts. And, uh, you know, people look at me like, oh, pro ball player, like this must have been the most confident guy ever. And it was just a constant from youth all the way up to the very end of like, I don't know if I belong here, all this types of thing, all these thoughts in my head. And one of the most common feedbacks is that people don't feel alone. You know what I mean? Because nobody talks about this, right? Because you're supposed to be tough. You're supposed to, you know, have it all together. Everybody else looks so confident. And so I'm not going to bring up, you know, what I'm thinking about with my self-doubt. So hearing other people talk about like, hey, like, you're not weak. I'm not weak. This is how this goes. You know what I mean? And like, this is just, uh, it's going to pop up in your mind. And you're going to just say, thank you. I hear you. That doesn't mean that's true. I'm a kid. Yep. You know what I mean? And so um, I think I, I would love to create a, an area where it's more uh, conducive for people to, to ask questions like, hey, man, here's how I'm feeling. Being open about it and not have yep. to be so tough. So I think that's, that's awesome advice that uh, if anybody out there is listening, kid, adult, whoever, man, um, sharing something that you're struggling with 
uh, is, is the way to do it, man. Don't hold that in. So anyway, Ricky, uh, where can people hear more from you? They want to follow you online. Where, where's the best place to check you out? Sure. Um, so YouTube, Instagram, Ricky Mendez speaks, uh, Facebook, Ricky Mendez, uh, uh, website, rickymendez.com. Just pretty much type that in and find where I'm at. <laughs> okay, sweet, sweet. Well, I'll, uh, I'll put some links in the uh, show notes to all this for people to uh, be sure to follow Ricky. Uh, man's moving on up, man. He's got speaking engagements all over the place. I think you're going to be seeing him a lot more places. So um, anyway, I'm excited to excited and thankful that you, you know, decided to spend some time with us here, Ricky. So yeah, thank um, you. anyway, well, uh, appreciate you being here. Thanks a lot. All right. Appreciate it. Have fun. Thanks a lot.